Hello and welcome back to episode 14 of the Double Cross Podcast. I am DJ Cadden and I'm joined by my co-host Ryan Haley. Ryan, your guy almost had it again this week. Max Homa, how you feel? Twitter, Twitter's guy. Twitter's guy. I don't I don't yeah, really, yeah. I don't want to claim him as my own. I feel like I'm part of a part of a brigade brigade a little bit there. But um DJ, I don't want to alarm you. John Rahm won a golf tournament today. Again. It's just insane. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. I think we could pre-record the next time he plays a tournament. It's absurd what he's doing right now. I tweeted Wait, how, it. How, how, how I tweeted many is that it this year. Uh, three on the PGA Tour this year. Uh, it's five in his last nine starts. Insane. Yeah, that include that those nine starts or his five starts in the PGA Tour include win a, a win a win a seventh in which he was in the final group, a third in which he was in the final group, and another win. He has only not been in the final group on Sunday once at a PGA Tour event this year, and he won. That was in Century. Yes. Every other Sunday he's played in the PGA Tour, he's been in the final group. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, John Rahm uh, holds off Max Homa at the Genesis to win at, win at Riviera. Um Ends the, ends the week 17 under, shoots a two under, 69 today. Um, Max finishes at 15 under. Uh, I don't know. what Where where do you want to start in that round? Because I feel like we could start solidly with either of them. I want to start Rom because he's the guy who won. Um, yeah, I think we got to start Rom. Num- yeah. Back to number one in the world, another yep. win. I mean, the, the, the number one in the OWGR is just going to be an absolute war. Slugfest. All fest. season long. Total slugfest. It's just, it's hard to switch hands, what, two or three times? And we're, we're only, what, two or three months, three or four months into the year? It's just absolutely unreal. Um, Yeah, I mean, Rom, you know, didn't have the cleanest round today. Had three bogeys, but he led pretty much all day. Max Homa got up there for a little bit, but cooled off on the back nine, but what were your thoughts on the round? Yeah, I mean, I am trying to s- decide where I want to start, like which John Rom shot I want to dig into a little bit. Because I think he deserves credit for a lot of them. Um, the one that comes to mind the most is the putt on 14. Mm-hmm. Um, this just like like 50-foot bomb uh, from just off the fringe that they like – the announcers talked about like which direction the putt was going to break and like seeing it move. And like, I've never had, I've rarely ever had a moment watching PGA tour golf where I like had a, someone hit like a 50 foot plus putt and like 15 feet out. I was like, Oh crap. He made it like 15 feet out. I was like, Oh, it's dead center. And it went in dead center with like perfect speed. Like it was such a great putt. Um, and (laughs) so good, dude. Um, and it's another left to writer. I know this narrative's getting beaten down. I honestly think we kind of overrate it a little bit as like golf talking heads of like how good John Rahm is on left to right putts. Um, mm-hmm. I think he just makes putts, and some of them happen to be left to right, and we try and cling to something. Um, I do think he is comfortable over those, but I think it's more of a confidence thing in general than it is a confidence in that style of putt. Um, but I don't want the putt at fourteen to overshadow the fact that he hit it to like. 24 inches at the 16th hole with like a, like I think, I think his lead was one over max 
on the 16th hole, this like short little par three with the pin like right over a bunker behind a down slope. And he like feathers this like soft cut in there and it like nearly goes in. So stupid. <laughs> it's just so dumb. <laughs> um so yeah, John Rahm, uh he did the same thing at the eighth too, where like it was like, all right, here's John Rahm. His lead is like two. How is he gonna respond to like being the man out in front and just like dart to a foot? Mm-hmm. Um but I think the most impressive thing to me uh was the way he responded when Max crept back in. He uh he was leading by three, uh teeing off on the ninth hole. Um Bogey's 10, Bogey's 12, Max Birdie's 10, um, and 11. And next thing you know, Max is up by one. And that's got to be just shell shock to a guy. I oh, know Max Birdie's 9 and 10, I'm sorry. That's got to be just shell shock to a guy. Like, to feel like the tournament is in your hands and cruise control. And 10 aside, 10 was tough. But, like, candidly, not really feel like you did a whole lot wrong. Um, And still like like all of a sudden you're in a dog fight with a guy who's really good in dog fights yeah um and for him to respond going like making the long putt at 14 and going uh two under the last six um a comfortable two like two under the next four effectively to put the tournament away um mm-hmm. Spoke volumes and the par putt he made on 13 was big. He uh, had a lag putt for a big, big, big long birdie putt on 13, left the lag putt like an uncomfortably short distance and buried the par putt. So, yeah, my big, my big note on John Ron this week is how he responded. Do you know how many strokes he lost today putting? Today? Uh, Yeah, I was going to say a stroke and a half, I think. Yeah, it's, it's right over a stroke and a half. It's, not, it's almost 1.7 strokes, and he still just went out there. and he, I mean, he hit the big putts when he needed to. He gained over three strokes, approached three strokes to the green. Just a clinical round from Rom. He responded when he needed to. Um, Which is it's funny because Homa had the almost inverse of, like, losing three strokes off the tee and just, like, scrambling his ass off the entire round. Yeah. yeah. And it felt like I, I don't remember who tweeted it, but it felt like obviously Homa from there, he's the hometown guy, he's the favorite. But Rom just I mean, he obviously is it's John Rom. He didn't it didn't phase him at all. He just played the villain that was there the whole time and just did his thing, won the tournament and got out of there. But just an unreal week from Rom. I mean, oh, another yeah. win. It we say it every week. Him and Rory and Scotty, those are the top three, and it's it's those guys and everybody else. Yeah, big distance right now. Big oh, big yeah. distance. Um, yeah, Rom for the week. Uh, third and strokes gained tee to green. First and strokes gained approach. Um, he really ironed and putted his way to victory. He was first and strokes gained approach. Twelfth and strokes gained putting. Thirty fourth around the green. Thirty fifth off the tee. And that to the rest of the PGA Tour should be horrifying. That John Rahm, who had maybe the best driving season in the strokes gained era last year in terms of combining distance and accuracy, just his worst stat this week was strokes gained off the tee, and he won a, a like a designated event by two. That's that's horrifying. He's on such a ridiculous heater 
right now. Um, he gained two. He gained more than two and a half strokes around approach. <laughs> like he gained two point eight five strokes around approach. His iron play is so ridiculously dialed right now. Um, but yeah, did it did it shock you on the broadcast when they said this was his tenth win? It did a little bit. It shocked me a little bit. I, I mean, he's won Zurich, so however you feel about group yeah. events, whatever, I'm not going to get into it. But <laughs> either way, like, ten, like that's like, if you discount Tiger and Phil, that's like, what, like fourth among active PGA Tour players? Like, I mean, considering yeah. Dustin's not here anymore, like, I know, like, Rory has 22 or 23, I think 22. Um, I know Jordan and Justin are around a dozen each. I don't know who else has more actively right now. Exactly what I'm looking up right now. Okay. Let's see if I'm forgetting anybody big. Um, Sahit Tagala in 10 years, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no. I so, hope so. Obviously, obviously, Tiger, 82, mm-hmm. Phil, 45. Yeah. Rory twenty three, Jim Furyk at seventeen. No, I love Jim Furyk. We're not counting him as active. (laughs) That's that's disingenuous. JT at fifteen. Okay. Adam Scott at fourteen. Okay. Spieth at thirteen. Jason Day at twelve. Zach Johnson at twelve. They got Bubba and Sergio on this list. Um, Justin Rose at eleven. And then John Rom at 10. Yeah. How how old is John Rom? 27, 28? He is. I think he's 27. I think he's 27. He is 28. Ah, crap. Um, he has Justin Rose's career. Yeah. Like if he stopped right now, he would have like they both have a US Open, 10 wins versus 11 wins. Um, they both have about 40 weeks at world number one. Um, he's matched Justin Rose's career, who is like a, like a 50, 50 hall of famer, probably mm-hmm. like I would lean more towards the side of yes, but like you could call it a jump ball. John Rahm has had his career and he's 28. Yeah. Do you think we're in a, do you think we're in a Rom or the field scenario for Augusta right now? Because I tweeted that from the Double Cross pod. It kind of feels like it. Considering John Rahm also has two top fives at Augusta, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But then we're also – I mean, Rory's going to win in the next coming weeks, it feels like, and we're going to be having the same conversation. That's true. We're going to get to – I don't want to bury Homa, but – Because it it feels like – you mentioned Homa just there. It feels like Rory, Rahm, or Homa is winning every week, and that's it. And if they don't, Scotty does. And I don't want to forget Scotty again. Last <laughs> yeah. time we forgot Scotty, he burned us. <laughs> yeah. but, so there's um, four guys winning every golf tournament right now in the world. Yeah. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to blow by Homo. We're going to get back to him. But looking at the other two guys that are kind of uh, dancing around number one in the world, um, Scotty had a pretty solid T12. Um, didn't scramble super well, but other than that, had a very solid week. Gained almost two strokes to uh, ball striking. Rory, I could not feel more bullish going forward about a T29 from Rory in this kind of field. He was 
third to last out of players who made the cut in strokes gained putting. He three putted from five and a half feet on Saturday. And I know that because I was driving home from work when he hit his wedge to 11 feet, like on 11, so like four feet. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll finally make a birdie. Maybe he can like sneak his way back towards the top 10. I get home and I look and he's two strokes higher than he was when I had left. <laughs> so that like, but Rory was like sixth in strokes gained approach this week. Um, Gained a stroke and a half around with his irons. Didn't even have the tightest week off the tee. Um, but again, you don't really have to at Riv. And he really let so many birdie chances go by the first two rounds. Uh, didn't get a chance to watch, watch much of his ins and outs on Saturday and Sunday. He got dropped from coverage pretty quickly. Um, but he struck, he struck the ball incredibly well this week. And so T29 feels more like a woeful putter than anything else. Although, granted, I said the same thing at Scottsdale last week. So put a little pin in this. Rory, Rory might be not feeling it right now with his uh, his spider mallet. But um, he's striking the crap out of the ball still. It's just when you're trying to catch John Rahm and Max Homa right now, you got to be firing on all four, all four facets of your game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I guess we can move on to Homa. Uh, I think we've mentioned everything we can about John Rahm. I mean, it feels like we're saying the same things about Rom every week, but we've said everything we need to. Homa, I mean, yeah, 15 I don't know, man. He didn't even play. I mean, he, he had five birdies today. Uh, he, had played, the lead he had five birdies today. He played like crap. Okay, he had how four, did he, he had four he on the front bold. and he birdied <laughs> 10. What a grinder, man. Uh, hometown <sighs> kid had the entire crowd behind him. Um, had the lead for a little bit, bogey thirteen, and just couldn't just couldn't find anything the rest the rest of the round. But another high finish for Homa. He went shot for shot with John Rom for the most part. So the last few holes, he's up to a career high world number eight in uh, the OWGR. I mean, yeah, Max Homa, top ten player in the world. That's a Homa's Homa's creeping up towards the. I mean. <laughs> I'm not going to project further. We're, we've had I'm not going to project, before. but he's creeping up towards some elite elite company. He's got to be if you're considering only the last like three months of form. He's got to be the fourth best golfer on the planet right now. Yeah. Um. I have two main takeaways that are a bit related to each other about Homa and the way he played today. Um. One. I have a negative and then a positive. Um. This was the first time that he's contended on a Sunday at the PGA Tour where it didn't feel like he had it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, every other time he's – I think th- I think this is the first time, maybe the second. I know the 3M Open when Michael Thompson won, he got close. I don't know if he ever tied the lead. But I think this is the first time Max Holmes ever held the lead on Sunday at a PGA Tour event and not won. I can't confirm that, but that would be like nuts if it's true. But yeah. this is the first time that he's just straight up not had it. Um, and I think there's a negative and a positive there. I think it it does build scar tissue. Like he was in like close to holding back tears in his post around press conference. Um, very clearly meant a lot to him. Um, and we've seen a trend recently of guys feeling like they're bulletproof and contention until they take a bullet effectively. Uh, Max took a bit of a bullet today. Um, but counterpoint, talking about Max raising his floor, Max is contending with his B game. Yeah. 
at elevated events, designated events. Like, holy crap, dude. He His floor has gotten so ridiculously better. Yes. That he can now have a week where he, like, loses strokes off the tee and doesn't hit his irons that great, and he finishes second. And I know that's because he was the best putter in the field this week. He only had 93 putts in four rounds, which is <laughs> mind-boggling. But even putting that aside, the fact, mentally being able to survive bad tee shot after bad tee shot. I mean, his first two holes today, he like spray, he was spraying it from the get-go. Like one, he hit, I think he hit it way left. Two, he sprayed it again. Like he had a two-way miss going the whole day. Um, and, and just grinded. Yeah. And just grinded. And I think I don't want to lose. I don't want to be all sunshine and roses about max all the time. I want to stay objective a little bit. And there is something to be said about seeing yourself bleed a little bit, but this is the kind of like, this is the kind of week that makes me think the top 10 golfer max Homa is sustainable, not just like, uh, six month thing where he's like riding the biggest heater of his life. And now he's going to fly away again. Yeah. Like this makes me feel like Max Homa is legitimately one of the 20 best golfers on the planet. Oh, I think he submitted himself there. I mean, he, he's done enough in events. He's held off big names, almost took down John Rom today. I mean, Homa is cementing himself not only as a fan favorite, but one of, the top 15, 20 golfers in the world, like you said. But I know we did uh, kind of a would you rather between Homa and uh, Victor Hovland a couple weeks ago. But I got another one I want to throw at you. So it's another guy in the top 10. Career oh, high career high OWGR ranking as of oh, today. Oh, dear. <laughs> he is one spot ahead of Max Homa. Oh, dear. Ryan, are you taking Max home or Will Zalatoris right now? Max. Yeah. Max. I mean, okay, what is your question, like, who is a better golfer or who do I think will win a major first? Because there are two different answers. Because I, yeah, I, yeah. I think Max is the better golfer. I think he's more consistent and he's more well-rounded. But what Will Zalatoris is good at, is the hardest thing to be good at in golf, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, is just yeah. being a precise but long ball striker, mm -hmm. being able to generate swing speed and still hit your irons within a yard. Like, that is what Will Zalatoris is good at. So, like, I think Will Zalatoris is probably more likely to win a major this year. Um, so if that's your criteria for what makes them a better golfer, then sure. Uh, but like, if you were at a random like PGA Tour event, and you're like, "Hey, who's gonna finish higher, Max Homer or Will Zalatoris?" And I had to bet every single week. It the safest bet would be just picking Max every single week. And sure, sure. maybe there's something to be said for Will playing better when golf is harder, uh, or yeah, Will playing much better when the golf has been harder. But consistency matters a lot to me, and regular PGA Tour events matter a lot to me. I've always kind of maintained that stance, so. Yeah, I agree. Will has has proven to be the the major guy. That's what he's been. I mean, obviously he won in a, in a Memphis last year, but for the most part, been a major guy. I think he will get some more wins coming soon. But 
Yeah, I I agree with that analysis. Um, yeah, I mean, I forgot we need we need to talk about Tiger. Oh, we do need to talk about Tiger. How in the world did we go this far without talking about Tiger? Yeah, Tiger finally back playing a non-major. Uh, I mean, he was impressive. There's nothing else you can say. He was impressive this week. He broke 70, Each. Yeah. He finished, I yeah. Know. I mean, he finished under par on the tournament. Um, Shot, shot a 67 on Saturday. And, and, yeah, I mean, just impressive from Tiger. He looked like he was moving a lot better than he was in any major he played last year. And was put was generating speed. I mean, out driving Rory and and JT on Thursday and Friday. Uh, what were your thoughts on Tiger this week? Yeah. Um. Oh boy, I got a lot of them. Um. One, he's not going to play that often. He said on yeah. like in his like post round like like t- host interview uh, in the CBS booth after the round today uh, as a recording on Sunday. That he's not going to play that often outside of the majors. Um, don't ever make him play a pro am again, ever, or make <laughs> yeah. him walk it at least. Um, he was very clearly a little, he was much more run down today than he was Saturday, but even still, 54 holes to be able to maintain that is such an improvement from where he was a year ago. Um, there are a lot of ways to go with Tiger this week. Uh, I'm going to start on course at least. Um, but Tiger showed, I, I had a little Twitter thread on this. Tiger showed what he has been the best at. And I think is probably his most underrated talent is just how much of a grinder he is. I think a lot of the flashy highlight shots and his just like eye popping numbers and victories kind of overshadow the fact that like, we talk all the time on golf Twitter and everywhere else in golf circles that the most impressive Tiger stat is making 142 consecutive cuts. You've seen that before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was more a hypothetical question. I know you've seen it, DJ. It was more just hypothetical talking to like a imaginary audience, but uh-huh. thank you. Um, but I don't think we always put together that, yes, Tiger was better than everyone else, like but demonstrably. And Yes, he made 142 straight cuts, but you don't make 142 straight cuts without like just turning 76s into 71s with like pixie dust. Mm-hmm. Like you don't do that unless you can like feel like you do not have it and just summon like an average round out of a bad one. Um, and he did that so well. He just grinds and bides his time until he gets to a couple holes that he likes and can take advantage of. We saw that on Thursday at 69. He was not feeling it in the middle of that round. He was not striking the ball super great. Uh, his putter was definitely betraying him. Mm-hmm. And the day as a whole was just not like it was better than we expected it to look, but it wasn't. It could have been this, so like, much better. Yeah, it wasn't this, like, dominant display until he got to 16, 17, and 18. And the 69 was impressive, not because he birdied the last three to do it, but because he just grinded and waited until he got to those holes that he could take advantage of. And when he got to them, he was only one over. And that's that was what was impressive to me about Thursday. Um, he beat, like, he beat Scotty Scheffler on Thursday. 
Scotty Scheffler won last week. Tiger hadn't played a non-major round in almost two and a half years. <laughs> and he beat Scotty by like multiple strokes, I think. Like this is absurd. And I don't think we ever are really going to be able to process it enough until like 40 years from now. Um, I think we get lulled in sometimes by knowing that he like somewhere within him is the same guy that won five majors and six tries or whatever he did in like 99, 2001. Um, like we get lulled into the idea that he's still Tiger Woods and forget that like his body is nowhere close to where it should be. Like the fact that we can have conversations like this is just utterly mind boggling that he could get yeah. back to this point. And I think that we underrate how hard he's had to work and how hard it is to be here because he's Tiger. Um, and I know so many other people have said this, but I feel like it's just worth repeating that like we shouldn't lose sight of how absurd that 69 was because it was really fun. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that we're able to sit here and talk about Tiger playing 72 holes, being under par, giving us, you know, really good rounds on Thursday, a, a really, really impressive round on, on Saturday. Um, it's just, I mean, it's it's a yeah. blessing that he's still able to even play. I mean, he was he was four under on on Saturday with an eagle. Yeah, yeah, just absurd. Yeah, his best again. That is the like that was the point that like felt super sustainable for me. Is his best round was the fourth straight day he played. I know he finished the pro-am too. I know he like cut the pro-am off two holes short, but like he like he was he shot 67 with an eagle on his fourth day of golf in a row. Yeah, and only like, had, I don't, he only had one bogey. That yeah, when day. he was on Friday, um they cheated off they off on 10 on Friday. Um he was even for the round through 14 holes on Friday and two under for the tournament. And he bogeyed three of the last four and ended up making the cut on the number. But when he was two under through 14 on Friday, I was like cooking up a take to text you like, yo, should Tiger be like a threat at Augusta? <laughs> like if he could do this on this course, imagine what he could do in two months rest on a course that he could legitimately old man at a round. Yeah. I mean, um, he knows Augusta like it's the back of his hand. Oh God, dude, I... He's gonna do something crazy. I don't think he's gonna contend. I don't. I'm not ready to say that, but he's gonna do like some crazy top twenty thing there. I just feel it. He's gonna do something beyond all of our expectations. Would it? Um, would, how? How? How far out of the realm of possibility is it to you that he? Not. I mean, I don't think he'll go up there and contend like top three, top four, but he gets like a top twelve at, at Augusta. decent i think the odds are higher that he's in the top 12 going into saturday than that he ends the tournament in the top 12 i think he's more likely to like front run in the top 10 and then kind of fade away over the weekend than he is to like run down the top 10 mm -hmm. um but like i wouldn't i wouldn't feel comfortable saying anything lower than decent after the way he looked for the first like 30 holes of golf he played this week yeah um i agree yeah. Jeez, dude. This is not where I thought we'd be with Tiger. 
No, no. Even, even those three bogeys in a row, I mean, even the three bogeys in a row, he gained half a stroke around approach. And even the three bogeys out of four holes to end this Friday round, he missed one short putt and had one bad tee shot, but it was just a hard hole. It was a hard stretch mm-hmm. of the golf course. So, man, it's not where I thought we'd be no. uh, at all. Um, a quick note before we keep moving forward. Um, I don't think that I don't want to get too far into the weeds with this because two guys in a podcast, I don't really know if it's fully our place. Um, but I don't want to like not address the tiger tampon joke. Um, it did kind of go nuts on social media a little bit. Um, and again, we're two guys sitting on a podcast, so I don't want to jump too far into it, into this, uh, where it's not always our place and I don't want to get too sanctimonious about it. Um, but I think um, Hannah Gregg, I think was her name, said it best on Twitter. It's just like, yeah, like the, the point of the joke was that being a woman is like lesser and just not a place for it. And I don't think I don't come at it from the perspective of like it being a thing about Tiger. I feel like it's kind of a thing about like Tiger's generation more than anything else. I think that mm-hmm. kind of humor was that kind of humor was probably incredibly commonplace for a kid who grew up in the 1990s around military guys. Like, because Tiger's yeah. dad was a Green Beret, and that's who Tiger, like, that's who Tiger's dad played golf with. And that's who Tiger played golf with. It was Tiger's dad's friends. It was a bunch of military guys. So I don't want to, like, absolve Tiger or get too preachy about it um, on either end of that spectrum. Um, I don't want to say that it's fine because he grew up in, like, a military house in the 1990s. Um, and I don't want to say that Tiger's a terrible person either. Um, and nor do I feel like it's really my place to lay out a ton of judgment about this, but the joke was in bad taste. And I think a lot of the response to it was fair. Um, I like, don't think that he said, I don't think there was anything really missing from the way he addressed it. Uh, I think Claire Rogers asked him that question from, uh, golf, uh, golf.com, I believe. Yes. Um, golf magazine but yeah i don't like i don't really know if there's a whole lot more to say other than that and on my end um i just felt like it was a very notable thing that happened that broke the barrier of golf um there were people i know that do not follow golf that were tweeting about it and asking me about it um but yeah i just i feel like the week would be incomplete if we don't mention it um but i feel like like a lot of the comments were fair um yeah, I mean, I could have said it better myself. I agree with everything you just – I mean, you just laid out. It didn't need to be addressed, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's – there's probably, there's probably some takes to be had beyond it about, like, the like how the, the general boys club of professional golf, but I don't really know if it's our place or, or something that I have – enough information or enough confidence to really address right now. Um, but I, I get, I get it. I get it. And there's not, there's not a place for it. And I don't know if it was done with intentional malice or if it's just a thing of uh, generational disconnect and something that was normalized. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's as, that's as far as I'm really will, willing to wade into the waters. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, I just I wanted to make sure it was addressed um, before mm-hmm. we move on. Um, 
beyond that, on that note, back to the golf, um, which is obviously less important, but still, um, back to the golf. Uh, is there any other any other points you wanted to talk about from Riviera before we move forward? There are two. I think you already kind of touched on one, but there are a couple names in the top ten that I think deserve to get a little at least a mention, like at least a drive by mention. Um, Will Zalatoris finished fourth. Uh, Pat Cantlay mm-hmm. with like the quietest third place finish ever. Um, 68, kind of, 67, yeah. 68, 67. Man, it's just like Pat Cantlay is like the king of like on like the 12th hole on Sunday. I'm like, man, I feel like you could like fake win. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you actually could, but like, yeah, maybe. Um, uh, Zalatoris fourth, Keith Mitchell fifth. Uh, played in the final group both the last two days, hung really tough. Um, didn't really have it ball striking wise, especially over the weekend. Uh, just scrambled and chipped and putted like a madman. Um, lost a lot of strokes with his irons on Saturday, uh, one and a quarter. Um, and didn't strike the ball super well again today. He drove the ball really well on Sunday, but um, that's Keith Mitchell, it's his MO. So, uh, that's a tough course. That's a tough course and a tough field uh, for Keith Mitchell to grind out a fifth place finish uh, and to leapfrog up into fifth um, with a birdie on the 18th hole. That's big for a guy like Keith Mitchell, especially in a year where FedEx Cup playoffs are getting cut down to 75 guys, which I feel like we haven't addressed as much as we maybe should. Yes. That there are only 75 guys that make the FedEx Cup playoffs this year. And for ne- this season more than ever, those handful of FedEx Cup points, like that birdie putt on 18 from Keith Mitchell, matters more than it ever has um, mm-hmm. for his future. So, uh, not never too early to start thinking about it. Um, Colin Morikawa, um, T6. Yeah. Unremarkable. Saith, T6. Saith, T6. Yeah. Let's go. Um, I know uh, we're, we haven't gotten to our full swing recap yet. DJ hasn't quite finished it. Um, Saheth's family on episode seven rocked. His, I would I would take a bullet for Saheth's dad. Man, it's so such a, such a cool family. Um, and we've, we've both uh, advocated for Saheth many times on this podcast. So uh, yes. excited to see him play well. Excited. He had a couple great shots. A bomb of a putt on, I think that was three today. Four. He had a bomb of a putt from off the green on four. Um, yeah, shout out Sahif. Um Matt Kuchar still plays golf. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was my big takeaway from the first couple days. Um look, he's fighting, he's fighting for a, a, a birth to the masters. That's true. Yeah. And also I don't this feels a little lame overall. Um, but for how much we give guys shit for going to live uh, both us two and generally. Um, I think Matt Kuchar and Justin Rose deserve more props than we're really giving them. And Jason Day can get lumped into this swell of guys that have enough name value that they probably got a tangible deal um, and guys that are late enough in their careers that it probably would have been understandable. um, Mm -hmm. If you view it only in a golf sense, like take away, I know you can't take away politics, but in these guys world, discounting politics, Viewing it only in a golf sense, guys like Matt Kuchar, Jason Day, Justin Rose, financially it would make more sense for them to go to a tour with guaranteed money and less events and less risk of losing your card. Um, yeah. And so, like, I'm like not 
going to go to bat for Matt Kuchar or like give him a medal of honor for it. But I think that that's, he is the demographic that we were most worried about with Liv. Um, and if I had woken Definitely. up at, if I had woken up any day over the last year and a half, like year effectively and heard Matt Kuchar assigned with Liv Golf, I would not have blinked. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just want, I want to give a little bit of credit there in that sense of like, Hey, you've withstood this a little bit. And like, if we're giving guys crap for not withstanding it, you deserve a little bit of credit for withstanding it. Yeah, I agree. And I did want to mention Jason Day. Jason Day's playing some really good golf right now. Let me look and see where he is on Data Golf Trending Table because he is high. His, his last five events are T10, T18, T7, 5th, and T9. He's playing some really good He's, golf. He is 7th right now. The top seven golfers on Data Golf's Trending Table. John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau, Jason Day. He's playing that's some not, good golf. And that's not including this week. Yeah, so he'd probably be higher. Yeah, he's probably higher. Like, you should, you, dude. Because the first six guys that I listed off are pretty consensusly the top six players in the planet right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Rom, Scotty, and Scheffler. Or Rom, Scotty, and Rory. Rom, Scotty, Scotty and Scheffler. <laughs> Idiot. Rom, Scotty, and Rory are pretty clearly uh, A1, A2, and A3 right now. I mean, Rom 1 and then 2A and 2B. Um, I think Xander and Finau uh, have the best metrics outside of them, and Colin Morikawa uh, with his fourth top six and five starts, which is nuts. Um, dating back to the Hero World Challenge, um, like those guys, pretty feel like feel like they're pretty clearly tier two along with Max. Um, so Jason, there's an argument Jason Day is the top ten player in the world, like discounting World Golf Ranking points. And looking only at like a four month sample size, you could argue Jason Day is the top ten player on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. I agree. Does Jason Day have an exemption to the Masters right now? Oh boy, he better. Jason Day is going to cook at Augusta if he gets there. He loves that course, man. Because he's up to forty six right now, which is right inside. I believe the, it's. The line. I believe it is the top fifty after match play. Yes. Get in. So, so this run is huge for Jason. The, the way that he's playing, I would be shocked if he doesn't get in. Uh, if that's where he's current, if that's where he currently is. Um, let me see. Yeah, he, he's 40, he's 46, not including. His finish at Riviera this week, I believe. Up, oh, nope, up to up to forty six. He was fifty seventh. Um, yeah, and he yeah. he was a hundred and thirteenth in the world in November, and he's up to forty six right now. Yeah, he was he was a hundred and fourth when he teed off at Tory, and he's gone seven five nine since then, up to forty six in the world. This is massive, especially for a guy again, as we mentioned, he's contended at Augusta multiple times. Yeah. Um. This could be a career resurgent. Like this could keep Jason Day on the tour years longer than you might like we might have expected a couple months ago. Yeah, um I agree. So yeah, big, big shout out to Jason Day. Uh glad to see him playing so well. Um and playing sustainably well too. I mean, Jason Day, he's probably the only putter that you could bet on being sustainable, quote unquote. Um, so his version of sustainable is different, but gaining strokes off the tee is not a Jason Day MO. Like consistently gaining strokes off the tee. He is that's not his thing. So seeing him do that over a 
long stretch of golf is very rewarding. Yeah. Um, don't know if there's anybody. Shout out Gary there. Woodland. Gary Woodland still exists. <laughs> I mean that. I mean that in the nicest way possible, Gary. And then who who was your pick to win this week? Justin Thomas. Okay. T so twenty. We both of our guys finish at five under T twenty. I'd Cam Young. You get JT. Yeah. Yeah. Which shout which shout out to Cam Young. Um. He started uh, 6874 uh, to m- make the cut on the number. Uh, and Friday night, I was among that Tiger take. I was also prepping, do we need to have a conversation about Cam Young? Um, because he'd only played well at the Saudi International uh, so far this year. And so, of course, what does he do the next morning after I say that, but 34 of the first six holes and shoot 67. <laughs> so, Cam Young, you've survived another week. I got my eye on you. I expect big things this season, but Cam Young has survived uh, the microscope another week. Um, do you want to talk Ricky? We can. We can. Opening round 68, followed by a 75. Um, DJ, I'll let you take the floor on this. Your thoughts after each of those rounds and after this week? Uh, I mean, just after the round two, it just feels like he's be- – feels obviously not like last year because he was playing himself up out of the cut last year. But – just, yeah, I mean, he could have played so much better, obviously. But just that he's consistently making cuts, picking up top 20s, I mean, much better spot than he was last year. Um, Just felt like he play, played himself out of, of the tournament, really, on any shot he had at the tournament on Friday. Just did not play well at all. Um, Lost strokes almost everywhere. Um, gained less than a stroke off the tee, but lost strokes everywhere else. Lost over three on the day. I mean, just a, a bad performance that you can't have at a tournament like this. But then picked it up on on Saturday and Sunday, sixty nine, sixty seven. So yeah, I mean, I'm kind of still in the same spot on Ricky. I think he could pick one off this year, but just happy to see him playing good again, having his name up here in top twenties where I'm disappointed rather than happy yeah no, i agree i think um he gained almost two strokes with his driver and his irons uh this week um so struck the ball really really well and i think again my big takeaway um seeing ricky play comfortably well like t20 with a blow-up round seeing him do that at a course that he doesn't typically play well at like phoenix i get being excited about it he played really really well um but it's a course that he's done that a lot and it means something else to me to see Ricky, who historically has been a bit of a horses for courses guy, um, to see him do it in a place that he doesn't always do it. Yes. I agree. All right. Um, in other news, talking about people that were getting sick of winning golf tournaments, uh, quote unquote, we're not really sick of either of them, but effectively. Um, Lydia Ko, uh won the Ladies European Tour event. Uh, this week in Saudi Arabia. Um, first tournament as a married woman. Uh, congrats to Lydia. That happened uh, over the over the winter. Um, but uh, Lydia won the Aramco Saudi Ladies International with a four under sixty eight. Um, I 
Just I, a strong, unreal week. I yeah. Mean. No, I mean, Lidico, uh, this, if there was a doubt that last year was a heater, this shows that she could take six weeks off and effectively honeymoon and still come back and win a golf tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, over a decently strong field. I mean, Aditya Shock was runner up. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it went 64, yeah, and, 69, 66, 68. Just. Yeah, and did so with a new caddy on the back. Yeah. Uh, David Jones, after she had uh, Derek Kistler for the better part of last year. Um, shout out to Golf Channel and Colby Powell for that reporting. Um, yeah, doing so with a new caddy. Um, does concern me ever so slightly that Lydia, who her big critique for a lot of her career has been tinkering, whether it be through familial involvement or her own involvement. Um, and it does concern me slightly that she had a player of the year caliber season and switched caddies, but she won. So Lydia can do what she wants while she's winning. Um, and I'm not going to question it. Um, I did not know this was a Saudi Arabian event until we'd started recording. Uh, and I'm a little bit blindsided there. I knew that she had won the ladies European tour event. Uh, I knew that she'd won it, uh, with a, another like number one in the world caliber performance. Um, boy, I do think there's a bit of a different, I think there's some slightly different math financially for the LPGA tour being involved with Saudi Arabia. Um, mm. And again, I, I say this the same way I'll say with the PGA tour and live golf, the financial involvement matters infinitely less than human rights. Um, but the LPGA tour is not in the same position. Like when you watch full swing, how many episodes are you in the full swing? I'm going to make sure that I'm not talking over you. You watch the Poulter episode, right? I don't. I think I'm two. Okay. Or three, maybe. Well, three is Poulter. So I think I'm through. I'm two. I'm through two for sure. I don't remember if I watched right. the third one. All right. So uh, Ian Poulter. I'm not. I won't say anything that you haven't heard then. Um. But Ian Poulter is one of the guys that uh went to live golf. Um. And when Ian Poulter talks about going to live golf and playing golf for Saudi Arabians, he talks about providing for his family. Um, Ian Poulter has like a dozen Ferraris and flies in a private jet everywhere. Um, the LPGA Tour, at least, it's slightly more feasible to hear like an LPGA Tour player who I believe most of them fall in the like comfortable and secure category rather than can buy multiple sports cars category. Um but it like there is different math there in terms of like the unfathomable wealth of the PGA tour uh compared to the LPGA tour. Um but yeah, did not and ladies European tour, I mean, but um I also think that as much as I like Lydia Ko and root and root for Lydia Ko, um, and as impressive as the run that she's been on, I don't want to sit here in a scenario where we've been like bashing PGA tour guys who go play for Saudi Arabian events in uh, Kandula Economic City and Lydia Ko comes on and we just talk about how good she is. I don't think that's fully fair either. Um, but Lydia Ko is also very good and I think it's unfair to not address that as well. Um, so yeah. I wanted to make sure we led with that, but yeah, I don't know. Um, LPJ Tour plays golf this week again. Um, let me find where they are on their schedule. Um, 
I think it's is it the Honda LPGA Thailand this week? Um, it is Honda LPGA Thailand this weekend. Um, so we will have a bit of a dual review going on. Um, Lydia and uh, Lydia obviously coming in red hot, uh, trying to defend Player of the Year. I believe she's playing. I don't know. I haven't seen a field list yet. I can't imagine she would not be. But anywho, um. Yeah, a lot of players coming in red hot. Nelly Corda uh, getting stronger and stronger off the injury every week. Uh, I'm excited for that season to kick off. Me too. Yeah, I mean, exciting. Lidico yeah. win number 26. <laughs> he has 26. more wins. She's 25, she's 25 years old and has 26 professional wins. <laughs> it's so sick. God, <laughs> it's just such staggering. It's so staggering to hear those numbers out loud. Um, and also, like, she's 25 years old with 26 professional wins and, like, a three-year slump. Yeah. So, like, really, she's won 26 times in, like, eight years, effectively. Um, which, again, is, is quote-unquote, is the math skewed because she started winning when she was 15? Yeah, but she also started winning when she was 15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's equally stupid. So... Yeah, um, really ridiculous career she's putting together that I think we uh, get lulled into. I think we do the same thing with Lydia Ko that we do with Spieth and Rory sometimes. Well, Rory more so uh, than Spieth. Drive by on Jordan. Sorry, Jordan. Um, but with Rory, of like they achieve such historical things at such a young age that we normalize how historical what they're doing is. Um, and so we're like, oh, Lydia won again. And it's like, no, dude, Lydia's like potentially having like a top 10 LPGA career, like ever, depending on how long she wants to play. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Um, This is nuts. And uh, can't talk, can't talk about how good Lydia is enough. Um, And then the corn fairy tour, uh, your tour, Ryan, Ryan Gibson. Yeah. A guy I've actually met before. Actually. Seriously. No way. Watched him at, um, when they had the, I don't remember what they called it. When they moved the RBC down to Congaree, went down there and followed his group for a while. Right, right. That's cool. Pretty sick. That is pretty. Cool. Happy to see him win. Guy yeah, one holds the record holds the record for the lowest round of golf ever. I think it was a fifty-five, right? Yes. <laughs> I shot a fifty-two in the back last time I played. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've shot, I've shot higher than a fifty-five on nine holes before. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's such a strange experience. I'm going on a tangent about my own personal golf ability at this point. Uh, it's a very strange experience being like a low single digit handicapper at some point in your life uh, and then not playing very much. Like I basically effectively went on a three year sabbatical. Uh, and now I play like once a month, maybe twice a month with my roommate. It's very strange knowing that like three chips around. I'm like, oh, there I am. And then the rest of them are just terrible. Um, so very, very out of body experience watching yourself. Um, I hit, I had three separate tee shots the last time I played golf where I took less than driver off the tee to be safe and lost it. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I shanked a five iron. I was, it was like a 310 yard down, downwind par four. And I was like, I haven't hit my driver yet today. I'm gonna hit five iron to be safe. And I shanked it into the trees. (laughs) 
Gotta love which it. Which is just the most like emasculating thing. But anywho, um, yeah, uh, we have uh, Honda LPGA Thailand and the Honda Double, the Honda Classic coming up on the PGA Tour this week at PGA National. Um, one of the biggest casualties, I think, of the current schedule construction. Um, it's just such a natural break point for so many guys. Um, you got Riviera, Phoenix, uh, Torrey, Pebble in the four weeks ahead of it. Um, not in that order. And then you have uh, the Arnold Palmer, the players, uh, Valspar, which is becoming more and more popular. Uh, the match play, and then you're running into the Masters. And so, like, a lot of guys, if a lot of the top 15, 20 players in the world, asking them to play the Honda Classic, um, especially if they are making the effort for all of the de- uh, designated events, um, asking them to play the Honda Classic would be asking them to play seven times in eight weeks before the Masters. And that's just not really feasible for a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the field this week is is it's a very yeah it's a very there's a lot of guys in this field, a lot of guys. Which granted, I'm a sicko. I love a lot of guys. Yes. Um, but doesn't necessarily mean I th- I I I don't want to sit here and call this week like a buy. Um, that's I feel like that's a little disrespectful, but um, a lower intensity event um that could change a life um. We've seen a lot of some of my favorite finishes. I think it's a shame because I think PGA National is one of the coolest courses. I think it's set up for an incredible finish um, all the time. That course always delivers in that the bear uh, the bear trap rocks. It's so good yes. to watch those guys mm-hmm. have to hit those shots down the stretch. Um, and some of my favorite PGA Tour events that I've watched recently, uh, Keith Mitchell uh, staring down Brooks Kepka and making a dagger over him. Again, shout out Keith Mitchell again in this episode. Uh, Keith Mitchell holding off Brooks Kepka, Sepp Straka. Um, there have been some really, really cool moments at the Honda Classic. Padraig Harrington uh, beating Daniel Berger. Uh, that was a Monday finish that I really wanted to watch, and I got the Monday off school. Um, and I was so excited. I did nothing but watch the uh, the end of that tournament, and Padraig Harrington beat Daniel Berger in a playoff. Um, two-time tournament winner, Padraig. Two-time tournament winner. Um, Playing Yang. Yang has won this tournament, which is sick. Anytime I get to mention Y.E. Yang, I want to mention Y.E. Yang. Um, obviously Matt, the, the... Matt Kuchar won this tournament 21 years ago. Seriously? Won it in 2002. Uh, Matt Kuchar has been around a while. It's it's beyond impressive that he still has his PGA Tour card when he, yeah. considering he was in college in like the 90s. Um, yeah, uh, the site of the one of the top five shots Rory McIlroy's ever hit that that three wood, um, that in the tournament that he didn't win, um, the fact that he missed that eagle putt is one of the more frustrating things of uh, watching Rory over the last like 10, 10 years, ten plus years, um, but he stared down Tiger in twenty twelve and won take over world number one. This tournament has created a lot of drama, and it's it's really a shame where it fits into the schedule, but I also cannot blame any of the top players for not coming. Yeah. Yeah. Look. While while we're on the now that I'm looking at the list of former winners, who do you who do you think won the tournament the year after Matt Kuchar in 2003? You're lucky. I was looking at the past champions, but I hadn't scrolled <laughs> that far. Um 2003. 
Kalkovecchia? Justin Leonard, who's an announcer. Ah, that's <laughs> sick. That's cool. And Matt Kuchar Cal- somehow still on tour. Did Kalkovecchia win this tournament? Um, he, I know he, he won the Arnold Palmer, maybe. He won it in 98 when it was the Honda ah, Yes. And won it in 87. Okay, cool. So I feel I feel kind of better about myself. Mark Kalkovecchia, 13 wins, including a major. Underrated career. Yes. But yeah, okay. So he did he did win the Honda Classic twice. Sick. Also won the Phoenix Open twice. That's cool. Random random Mark Kalkovecchia shout out. Um, but anyway, um this tournament has been known for some just like deep bombs down the board. Um there was a stretch there, 2017, uh, 2016, 2017, 2018. Adam Scott was 20 to 1. Ricky Fowler, 16 to 1. Justin Thomas was 12 to 1. Since then, Keith Mitchell was 300 to 1. Sung JM was 35 to 1. Matt Jones was 80 to 1. Uh, and Steph Straka was 100 to 1. Oh. So this tournament has favored some bombs. And then, there, I mean, uh, there were three straight years, uh, 2013, 14, 15, all three of the winners were more than 300 to one. So there was a little stretch of favorites for a while, but this tournament is, it's big boy ball striking. And it is like, a it's it, especially with this field favors. Like uh, underdogs. Yeah. I can't even find odds for the tournament at this point. Yeah, I can. It's it's Sunday night. I'm not surprised they're not out yet. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at the field though. I have. I mean, I'm. I'm. I think it'd be very easy to pick. You know, some of the few big name guys that are playing. Yeah, especially considering Sung J M has won at this course before. Yes. I think it's gonna be it's it's gonna be hard not to pick Sung J because he's been playing so well, and he's won before. Um. Whatever pick I do make is going to be strictly off of just the vibes that I'm getting from whatever player it is. Yep. This is a big week for like a lot of the, for a lot of the the, the rookies. But a bunch Agreed. of the corn fairy guys playing this week. Agreed. That that again. That's that's the cool part about watching this week, and that's why I, I get a little like a little frustrated when guys are like, "Oh, it's like an off week." Like. This is this is the, if you're like a true golf sicko, these these are the cool tournaments where you just get to see a guy probably change his life more so than John Rahm changed his life today. Yeah. Um, and you see guys really playing for their livelihood. Um, especially again this year, where only seventy five guys make it through. It is that much harder. Um. Yeah, it's 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 going to be hard not to pick Sung JM. I think I'm probably going to end up picking Sung JM. Um, but I'm scrolling through the field. Look, Aaron Badale, top ten is happening. It happens every month. He randomly gets a top ten. Give me. I want to pick Davis Riley, but I said he was going to get his first win at the major. That's that's such a sick take, by the way, that we just kind of like drove <laughs> by. Do you think Davis Riley it was the U.S. Open? <laughs> Look, there's going to be some. <clears throat> there's going to be somebody we don't expect. 
had to at least for what it's worth davis riley is like the perfect statistical profile for this course and it's like kind of long but just be really accurate with your irons and just be really really reliable under pressure um so davis riley is a really good pick but again he's not going to win to the u.s open so give me hold on i just had my pick where's it at <clears throat> give me kramer haycock this week Ooh, sick jordan Spieth's college teammate gonna happen has he won on the pj tour i don't think so no he had the insanely he, long playoff with harris it's like english. an eight hole playoff yep yeah, he had the brutally long playoff with Harris English. Yes. Um he has not one not one professionally since twenty eighteen on the web.com tour. Man, let me look at the field. Hold on. Let's see if anyone jumps out to me here. I'm not gonna pick Sung Jay because I keep cursing chalk. JT finished twentieth. He's like my best pick so far this year. So You had uh Seamus Power a couple weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah, played. Uh, Seamus was good. Seamus played well. Um, Akshay's playing this week. Let's go. Dude, if Akshay gets a win, I might be unbearable. If Akshay, like, top tens, I'll be happy. <clears throat> um, dude, Vincent Norman's really good. I don't know how well he'll play, but very good player to keep an eye on. Um. Yeah, I mean it's there. It, it's the sicko week. It is. It is a sicko week. But again, what are we here for? Man, I'd I'd be I'd, I I understand why he's not with how much he's been playing. I, Jason Day would have feasted this week. Yes, I was hoping he was in the field. Nah, I I, I don't think he's ever played here. So like, I'm not surprised. But um, would have been. Crit- very Kramer good. Hancock also has a T21 at this course. Ooh, that's a fun option. There's also a massive Monday queue for this tournament. Oh, yeah. It's one of the corn, biggest. Corn Ferry's off this week. It's like 150 guys, I think, I saw on Twitter. That's cool. Um,. Ooh, Alex Norin is kind of tasty. I looked at that too. Yeah. I don't know. Miss Cut in Phoenix scares me a little bit, even though he hit his irons really, really well. All right. I'm sitting on here too long. I'm giving I'm giving myself one minute. One more minute. Cooch is playing. Cooch is playing. And the models <clears throat> love Cooch quite a bit. Dude, Cooch picks off some random tournaments. Ooh, I got it. No, he's not playing. Oh man, I really wanted to pick Wyndham Clark. Ooh. He nearly he nearly won here. Uh, I don't know if it was the JT year or another year, but he nearly won. Um, God, I really wanted to pick Wyndham Clark. I'll pick Patrick Rogers. I like it. Okay. Like it. All right. Uh, we've run over ourselves a lot of time uh, for today's episode. So, uh, DJ, do you have any closing notes that come to mind? I don't think I do. 
Happy to see Tiger back. Got a good week of golf this week. Yeah, just I'm excited. We got a Sunday schedule. Hopefully, set in, set in stone going forward. So, yeah, let's hope. We uh, I hope everyone's proud of us for getting this done on Sunday night because I'm proud of us. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks for spending your night Sunday night with me, DJ. I appreciate it, and I always appreciate talking golf with you. Um, and thanks to everyone else who stuck around this far. But uh, thank, uh, thank you for listening to the 14th episode of the Full Swing Podcast. I have been Ryan. I've been DJ. And have a great rest of your night or day. Thanks. Whenever you're listening. Thank y'all for listening. I'm recording, right? <laughs> Oops. <laughs>